You're listening to a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. If you want to listen to us in real time, you can stream our show live weekdays at 9 and 11 a.m. Central. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Good morning. I'm Carrie Miller. This is NPR News. Coming up, why too many of us don't have flood insurance. But first, to the political junkie, Ken Rudin. Welcome back, Ken. A lot to talk about. How are you? Good morning, Carrie. And yes, there is a lot to talk about. If you have questions for Ken about the Supreme Court, the Senate Judiciary Committee, specific campaign matchups, or the week in the Trump White House... Yeah, we could do the rest of the hour on that. Um, feel free to call in or tweet in 651-227-6000, 800-242-2828, wherever you are in the area, and then on Twitter at Carrie NPR. Ken, I, I want to start with the Washington Post story in which Christine Blasey Ford has now come forward to be named, detailed these allegations against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. What do you think happens next? Well, um, I don't know. I mean, I like, I love, I mean, I think the reason I don't know is because there are so many different things that could happen, but ultimately I wonder if anything will. And the reason I say that is because it's clear that Judiciary Committee Chair uh, Chuck Grassley uh, says that he sees still no reason why that the confirmation hearings, at least out of the committee, uh, which is scheduled for this Thursday, should be delayed that, yes, she can test the, the, the um, Democratic and Republican staffers can talk to uh, Mrs. Ford and, and, and get, get her story. Uh, Republicans seem to be focusing more on the fact that Dianne Feinstein, uh, the senator, the leading Democrat on Judiciary Committee, had the news, had the story for since at least maybe perhaps as early as July. And yet it's only coming out now. And they say it's suspicious. Of course, uh, uh, Christine Ford says, well, I just didn't want to bring attention to myself. and But according to her therapist and all these things, she's been talking about this for years. So it's not a political uh, gambit on her her report. The, the question, of course, is whether anything stops Kavanaugh. And and even, even opponents still wonder if that's still possible. So one thing here about uh, Senator Feinstein, didn't she say, am I pronouncing that Feinstein? Feinstein. 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 Hasn't she said that Christine Ford asked her to preserve her anonymity and that she agreed to do that and forwarded the information to the FBI? I heard uh, Christine Ford's attorney on Morning Edition today saying the senator abided by what uh, what Christine asked. And only now have they decided that Christine Ford would be willing to come forward and be named. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything. I mean, I don't know if I have any objections or uh, uh, counter arguments to things you just said. I think that is the 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 the, the way it happened. I mean, clearly, look, look. Once you bring yourself attention, you know, bring attention like that to yourself, especially in a high, highly charged political atmosphere as a Supreme Court nomination, when the left is, you know, strongly opposed and the right is strongly in favor, you know that when you come across with these charges that happened decades ago, you're going to put yourself in the middle of a fight that you really didn't want to happen. And, and it's clear that Ms. Ford did not want to make this a public thing. So I don't know if she got pressure from Feinstein, got pressure from the Democrats or pressure from her own sense of conscience. 
But, you know, I mean, the Republicans are saying, look, uh, let's face it, we know who the president of the United States is. We know that his top communications director is Bill Shine, who covered up or at least uh, allowed a lot of sexual uh, harassment cases to go forward, to go through, or at least to keep happening at Fox News. So you have an administration who's going to poo-poo these kind of charges uh, from the beginning. And as many of Kavanaugh's opponent, uh, supporters say that even if it did happen, it's when he was a teenager back in the early 1980s. I don't know if sexual assault has a, a, has a time limit on it or, you know, a, a condition, a, a time when it's okay to, to say, well, it didn't, you know, unlike Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas, they were adults or in the workplace when that happened, but Brett Kavanaugh was a teenager, somehow, in, not teenager, in their early 20s. Somehow when you're either a teenager or early 20s, I think that's hardly an excuse for sexual or any kind of sexual attacks on a woman. I think there's also question about um, whether he was concealing this and his and Brett Kavanaugh's vociferous denial of that. I think some of the Democrats on the committee, well, and also Senator Jeff Flake, a Republican from Arizona who's leaving the Senate, have raised that as an issue. You mentioned Nina Totenberg, Ken. Um, she was on this morning on Morning Edition also, and, you know, she broke the story. I Nina Hill, but yes, that is Nina right. Totenberg's story. Yeah. Right. So Nina Totenberg um, mentioned that she was the, the reporter, of course, that broke the Anita Hill story. And here's what she says about what happened in that incident. In the Clarence Thomas Anita Hill case, they were not kids in high school. They were adults. It the The allegations were not 35 years ago. They were just a couple of years ago, a few years prior, and she worked for him. So the circumstances were different. The Democrats were actually in control of the Senate. They actually did send the FBI to, in, to interview Anita Hill. Then they did nothing about it. In this case, the chairman of the committee, Chuck Grassley, uh, has received a, a request to invest, send this to the FBI for investigation, not just to include the allegation in the file. So is Senator Grassley, Ken, given what Jeff Flake and others and a couple of... Lindsey Graham. Right, Lindsey Graham and a couple of senators like Lisa Murkowski, who, uh, who really have a lot of power on a yes or no vote on this... Does Senator Grassley really have to be cognizant of how he tries to proceed? Well, one would think the answer is yes, but I think it's clear from the beginning that Chuck Grassley, and I I guess I'm kind of editorializing here, and maybe this is unfair, but Chuck Grassley did not care or did not pursue or didn't think it was worthwhile to have any kind of hearings, let alone a vote for Merrick Garland. Uh, President Obama's choice for the Supreme Court in 2016. But on this case, he seems to be rushing it through that that he is a deadline that almost is like, like, let's get this out of the way quickly before something else comes up. Grassley from the beginning has said, look, I'm going to have with this and there will be no delay. We're not going to hold anything open. We still expect to have uh, uh, the vote by Thursday. Now, it's interesting, though, the only wrinkle is that well, first of all, Collins and Murkowski really haven't said much about this new, these new allegations right. at all, other than the fact that Collins has said that that she did ask uh, Kavanaugh about this and he denied it completely. But the fact that you have a not only Jeff Flake, who is, as you point out, is leaving the Senate, but Lindsey Graham, who who seems to change from day to day to be a, uh, a Trump critic to a Trump ally, he says that look, let's see what this is and. 
And I think, you know, at the minimum, I would think that the uh, Judiciary Committee could just say, wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't you want to know once and for all if this were true or not, if you're going to put somebody on for a lifetime, Supreme Court? uh, I I think that's the dilemma here, Ken. I don't know if if it can be known once and for all. I mean, that's that's the concern. I mean, I'm sure that's something that Christine Ford thought about before she came forward. Well, that is a very good point. Look, I, I bet you, I bet you, a good portion of the country completely doubt what Anita Hill said about Clarence Thomas in 1991 and 1992. And while that did not stop Clarence Thomas from getting to the Supreme Court, it, I think, the ultimate thing comes down to politics, as everything seems to do lately. And if it could theoretically, and if you buy this argument, this could even further energize Democratic women to say that here we are having somebody who who tried to assault a woman back when he was a teenager, and now he's on the Supreme Court. So maybe you do get Kavanaugh still confirmed after all, because one, Jeff Flake and Lindsey Graham have always been questioning Trump's uh, and the Republican uh, Party writ large uh, of what they plan to do, but they always seem to vote in line with the party. So unless Collins and Murkowski uh, break free, and unless those Democrats in, in those red states decide to all stick together and vote no, it sounds like Kavanaugh wins. But but ultimately, I think that that becomes a political issue for November. Ken Rudin with us, the political junkie questions about what happens with Kavanaugh, specific campaign matchups, the guilty pleas uh, of last week, the Trump administration as a whole, 651-227-6800-242. 2828 on Twitter at Carrie NPR, where Ken uh, Keith asks, how do we know Manafort will be telling investigators the truth? Can a Trump pardon or commutation short circuit the deal Manafort made with investigators? Supposedly the plea in exchange for cooperating with prosecutors. Yes. Well, I mean, these are very, you know, Keith asks very important questions, but obviously you don't have to have a guilty plea to be pardoned. Um, I mean, everybody says that Trump wouldn't do that, but it's been very interesting that after all, all the the rats, <laughs> I, lo- I love this this Al Capone untouchables kind of language that the president uses about these rats out there, and, <laughs> yeah. and they and they, they flipping came clean and, and they, yeah. Yeah, they're flipping exactly. But but remember when when Manafort made it clear that he would fight the charges and and and, and insisted in that trial where he was found guilty of eight uh, of eight charge, you know, eight counts last month that he said that Paul Manafort still showed some, you know, a great character and he's a, still a great guy. We'll see how he feels about this. And now, but but the fact is, is that there was a lot facing Manafort and there's a lot seems to be a lot of evidence. And there was a great New York Times story today about how these how he would be part of these shell companies that would would use these companies to to, you know, hide millions and millions of dollars in Ukraine and elsewhere and Manafort knew that he was facing not only, you know, you know, he was facing serious jail time. And while the president has talked about the possibility of, of, a, of a pardon, um, I think, I mean, it, it almost reeks of something that may have happened, oh, I don't know, some several decades ago with somebody else who was in the White House. I can't remember his name <laughs> offhand, but, but there were a lot of these, you know, kind of cases where pardons were talked about. 
But, you know, so the Manafort knows a lot. He was at that July 2016 meeting at Trump Tower mm-hmm. when he and Jared Kushner and Donald Trump Jr. and a few others all met with this Russian national who said they had dirt on Hillary Clinton. If that's not if that's not colluding, you know, Trump says no collusion, no collusion, no collusion. Well, if you're meeting with Russians to get dirt on on Hillary Clinton prior to the election, that seems like if you go in the dictionary for collusion, you'll see a picture of Manafort, <laughs> um, you know, Kushner and Trump Jr. in that meeting. So I think Manafort has a lot to say. And if for all those people say, well, why doesn't Robert Mueller get this over with already? Enough is enough. The painstaking detail that Mueller has shown and the and the and the silence. Well, uh, okay. from, from Mueller's even better. Let me let me just get in here. When you said the unraveling of the complexity of these shell companies and the hiding of money, I'm astonished that Mueller's team was able to do that as quickly as as they did. I mean, that is complicated how... stuff. Right, right. And then, see, that's what's. I think that's why he was picked from the beginning. He has not only uh, a reputation for fairness, but a reputation for detail. And there's no question that Manafort is not looking at the calendar. He's not looking at December 6th. I'm sorry, November 6th. He's not even looking at 2020. He's looking at what's on his plate. And what is play on his plate is, is you know, perhaps, uh, according to the allegations, a, a conspiracy uh, from the president of the United States and those who worked for him to either, uh, you know, uh, you know, delegitimize uh, the 2016 election or just, you know, the, the kind of relationships these people have had with Russia. So, again, look, he's a Republican. Uh, Mueller is a Republican. He is a, he had a har- large of uh, 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 approval from Republicans and Democrats when he served both in the Bush and Obama administrations. He had a great reputation. If you look at some of the things that Rudy Giuliani and Lindsey Graham and others said when Mueller first, you know, when 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 uh, uh, he first became the head of this investigation, they all said tremendously good things about it. But of course, the more that Trump uh, tweets about uh, uh, Mueller and about this this uh, rig system and this. Uh, fake news and all this stuff, um, you just wonder how much how much the White House has at stake. Ken, Brett Kavanaugh has just put out a statement saying this is a completely false allegation. I've never done anything like what the accuser describes to her or anyone. I am willing to talk to the Senate Judiciary Committee in any way the committee deems appropriate to refute this false allegation. And a call for you Ken, from Marty in northern Wisconsin. Hi, Marty. What's the question? Hi. Good morning, you guys. Um, well, to, to, first, to any woman who experienced any kind of sexual assault in high school, that trauma never goes away. So let's not just blow it off because it happened in high school. This, there was a third person in this bedroom, a guy named Mark Judge. Where is he? Why are we not hearing from him? Yeah, and, and I, we noticed, have, actually. I noticed, Ken, that he denied it in one place and won't speak further to The Washington Post or anyone. Exactly. I mean, first of all, what Marty's saying is absolutely true of any kind of sexual attack, whether you, whether you're four years old, 14 years old, or 40 years old. 
is traumatic and will last forever. And, and the fact is that why come, why want to come forward and drag, have your name dragged through the mud, especially from those people who would be willing to protect Kavanaugh and Trump in any way possible and thus bring down other people who say, you know, uh, have accusations against them. So she's in a tough position. But, but before I get into the Mark Judge story, um, we, we did hear from, from um, uh, uh, Christine Ford's therapist, who said as early as 2012, uh, she came. She came to Deborah Katz, who's her, her who's her therapist, and said that um, it absolutely did happen, and it's still traumatic. Now, this wasn't political in 2012. She just came to her with that. As far as Mark Judge, he did say, as Brett Kavanaugh did say, this is absolutely fake, false. It never happened. It, it you know, and I'll testify on it. At least Kavanaugh said he'll testify it. So. When you have three people in this situation and two of them say it absolutely didn't happen and Ms. Ford said, oh, it absolutely did happen. I'm not going to make this up. I just don't want to draw, draw my have my name drawn through, you know, through the gutter. What do, what do members of the Senate do? What, what do you if, if Kavanaugh just says it never happened, just like Clarence Thomas said, it absolutely never happened. All those anecdotes that Anita Hill would list in, the, in those hearings, those dramatic it's hearings. Just, he said it never happened. That is just, yeah, infuriating that the accusation was she made it up from beginning to end. Anyway, ugh, ugh. Ken, thanks. Appreciate that. We'll see what happens with the Senate Judiciary Committee, and we'll talk again next Monday. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Try not to keep me depressed, as, as usual, because I was very depressed. <laughs> this was a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. To add your voice to our discussion, you can call in at 800-242-2828 or tweet Carrie at K-E-R-R-I-N-P-R. And if you miss us live, you'll find all of our shows by subscribing to this podcast. If you have questions, you can email us at talk at npr.org. 